This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. culturally rich nation of Sri Lanka is in economic and political collapse, with its president fleeing the country on military jet amidst mass protests. We are going to take a look at the foundations of Sri Lanka, its recent political history, and how one powerful family has brought the nation to its knees. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's time to get your map out as we take a look at where Sri Lanka is before we take a quick look at their national profile. We do like to get our bearings in Squiz Shortcuts. And the best way to describe it is that it sits off the southern tip of India. Yep, Sri Lanka is essentially a tropical island. It's in the Indian Ocean and it's separated from the Indian subcontinent by the Gulf of Manar and the Polk Strait. It shares a maritime border with India and the Maldives. It also has a long and colourful history. Sri Lanka has attracted visitors for centuries with its natural beauty. Some called it the teardrop of India, which is kind of what it looks like on a map, but it very much has its own identity. Sri Lanka's documented history goes back 3,000 years, and because of its strategic maritime position on the Silk Road, uh, it was occupied by the Portuguese, the Dutch and the British. Yep, so it was part of the British Empire from 1815 to 1948, and it was called Ceylon during that period. What happened in 1948 was that it became a dominion, which isn't altogether independent, but sort of like a self-governing state. That's right, but the independence movement was strong and in 1972 Sri Lanka was declared a republic after more than 150 years of British rule. Uh, And as the nation was becoming established, it was torn apart by civil war that started in 1983. Essentially it was a clash between the Sinhalese-dominated Sri Lankan government and the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Elam, uh, LTTE they were known for short, which was an insurgent group. Sri Lanka is home to diverse cultures, languages and ethnicities, but the Sinhalese are the major ethnic group. They make up about 75% of the population. As for the Tamils, they're a smaller group. They make up about 15%. And the Tamil Tigers, that insurgency group, uh, wanted to establish an independent state called Tamil Elam in the northeast of the island. Uh, There was a history of discrimination and violent persecution against Tamils by that Sinhalese majority. And what started as intermittent conflict turned into a full-scale nationalist insurgency in 1983. After more than 25 years of violence, the conflict ended in May 2009 when government forces seized the last area controlled by the Tamil Tigers, but recriminations over abuses by both sides continued. The Sri Lankan government has refused an independent international investigation into what happened during the war, but there are estimates of somewhere around 40,000 civilian deaths, uh, disappearances and sexual violence. Meanwhile, the Tamil Tigers were accused of carrying out attacks against civilians, uh, using child soldiers and also suicide bombings against military, political and civilian targets. Many Tamils fled during that period and into recent times. The Murugupan family are one example. We have a shortcut on their efforts to stay in Australia. 
the father of that family, Nadez, uh, he claims to have been forced to join the Tamil Tigers in 2001. Uh, and as a result, his life, he says, is at risk because the Sri Lankan authorities continued to harass him. And theirs is just one of thousands of similar stories of the war and ongoing tensions. So we've covered a bit of the background of Sri Lanka, but let's now move on to the settings for Sri Lanka's economic collapse. Fun fact, Claire, Sri Lanka is the oldest democracy in Asia. Let's just get a handle on how their system works before we unpick some of the major themes. So Sri Lanka is a republic, as we've discussed. Uh, It's governed by a semi-presidential system, which has a mixture of a presidential system and a parliamentary system. Uh, The president of Sri Lanka is the head of state, the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, uh, and is popularly elected for a five-year term. The president heads the cabinet and appoints the ministers from elected members of parliament. It's also important to note in the context of the current conversation that the president is immune from legal proceedings while in office. Yep, they can't be pinged for any acts done or omitted, uh, either in an official or a private capacity. The parliament reserves the power to make all laws and the president's deputy is also the prime minister. Uh, They lead the ruling party in the parliament and they share executive responsibilities with the president, uh, mainly in domestic affairs. When it comes to Sri Lanka's politics of the last 20 years, the most powerful players have come from one family, the Rajapaksa family. Their political dynasty started back in the 1950s. D.A. Rajapaksa was the family patriarch. Uh, He was a lawmaker in the 50s and 60s. But it was Mahinda Rajapaksa, his son, who really cemented the family's grip on power. He rose to become prime minister and then he had two terms as president from 2005 to 2015. It was Mahinda Rajapaksa who ended the civil war with the Tamil Tigers. Analysts say he did that with brutal military force. Yeah, they say that was a campaign that was rife with widespread human rights abuses. That was led by his brother, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, who served as his very powerful defence secretary. The Rajapaksas were briefly out of the government after losing in the 2015 elections, but they returned with Gotabaya Rajapaksa as the presidential candidate in 2019. He won that big campaign in an election campaign that mixed nationalist appeals to the Sinhalese majority. That campaign portrayed him as the strong man that the country needed after the deadly terrorist attacks on Easter Sunday in the months just before the election. And if we just take a quick look at that, it was in April 2019 that jihadist suicide bombers attacked churches and hotels on Easter Sunday, killing 269 people. That attack drove a bitterness towards the government of the day when it emerged that President Mayithra Pala Sirisena and top officials failed to take action after repeated warnings that suicide attacks were being planned. So there was then a real swing back to the party now being led by Gotabaya Rajapaksa. And Claire, Sri Lanka didn't have to wait long to see the return of Mahinda Rajapaksa. Nope. Mahinda Rajapaksa was brought back into the government as Prime Minister uh, and other key positions were also handed to several other members of the family. And it's this period of government that experts say has driven Sri Lanka's economy into the ground and its people to breaking point. Let's get into that next. 
what we've heard in recent weeks is that Sri Lanka's foreign currency reserves have virtually run dry. Claire, please explain. That sounds like a complicated thing, but Mm -hmm. all that it means is that Sri Lanka doesn't have enough funds available to buy goods from other countries. Uh, Sri Lanka doesn't export a lot, but it imports quite a bit. Uh, Its fuel comes from offshore, uh, and a lot of food and medicines are also imported. So Sri Lankans are suffering through inflation of more than 50% as prices go up due to the scarcity of goods. And then there's the problem of things just running out, uh, a lack of of medicines has brought the health system to the verge of collapse. People can't buy fuel for their cars and trucks and homes, and people are going hungry because of food shortages. It's just a real mess. Yeah, it sure is. And just to add to what you said about the fuel ban, that came into effect in late June, making Sri Lanka the first country to do something like that since the 1970s. A small supply has been reinstated, but fuel remains severely restricted. And it affects everything. So, for example, schools have closed and people have been asked to work from home to try and help conserve supplies. Along with not being able to buy the goods it needs from abroad, Sri Lanka has also failed to make a payment on its foreign debt for the first time in its history. Just explain why that's an issue. That can damage a country's reputation with investors and it makes it harder for a nation to borrow money when it needs it on the international markets. Uh, It can also harm confidence in its currency and it means that there's very few options for recovery. Sri Lanka is now dependent on the International Monetary Fund for a bailout. So we've covered off what's happened, but let's now get into the why. Claire, we've talked a lot about the global economic scene coming out of the pandemic has been bumpy because of a rush to recovery and the war in Ukraine has seen fuel prices soar. Those things have had a role to play in Sri Lanka's collapse, but it's not the whole story. And this is where the Rajapaksa brothers come back in. When Godabaya came to office, he slashed taxes, which lost the government income of about $2 billion a year. And when Sri Lanka's foreign currency shortages became a serious problem in early 2021, he tried to limit them by banning the imports of chemical fertiliser. That led to widespread crop failure, and Sri Lanka had to supplement its food stocks from abroad, which made its foreign currency shortage even worse. It's one policy disaster after another. And during all of that, Godabaya made his brother Basil the Minister of Finance. In the face of intensifying protests, Godabaya then forced his family members to leave the government in April. He then appointed Ranil Wickremesinghe as Prime Minister. So Wickremesinghe has been at the top of Sri Lankan politics for 30 years, and that settled things down for a bit, but the ongoing hardship just got too much for citizens to bear, and Godabaya has now stepped down, and he's fled the country for the Maldives. And despite the months of protests that led to this, it really wasn't a foregone conclusion that things would go this way. Not at all. Few of the experts anticipated that a president and a ruling family as powerful of theirs would be kicked out of power like this. It's seen as a remarkable victory for the protesters who had just had enough. And it's important to note that they carried out their demonstrations mostly peacefully. As for what's next, the International Monetary Fund wants to recommence bailout discussions. It does, but the Rajapaksa's dumping from power leaves a power vacuum in Sri Lanka uh, just when it desperately needs a functioning government to help start digging it out of financial ruin. 
Politicians from other parties have been talking about forming a new unity government, but there's no sign that they're getting near an agreement yet. So that's your shortcut to Sri Lanka's collapse. On to our recommendations. Each week, we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. I'm going to recommend some pictures of the extraordinary occupation of the president's official residence in Colombo. You can see people jostling to use the exercise machines in the private gym. They swam in the pool. They're stretched out on the sofas, playing the piano, pretending to address the nation. It's just incredible, Claire. Yeah, those pictures are just amazing. Uh, For me, it's a profile piece from the Washington Post. It's called How One Powerful Family Wrecked a Country. I don't really need to say it, but it's about (laughs) the Rajapaksas uh, and it's a really good read. Nice one. As always, links to both of these will be in your episode notes. Thanks for listening in to this episode of Squiz Shortcuts. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. And if you have any requests for a shortcut on a topic or a person or something, something in the news that keeps coming up that you want a bit more context to shoot us through an email to hello at the until next time kate watson co-host of news club and the weekly wrap jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost and if you like them we'd really appreciate it if you could share them tell your mates about us tell your family Tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.